For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Martin McCloskey. On Fire. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Mark McCloskey on Fire, News Talk STL. On 101.9, 94.1, you can catch me on Rumble on my facebook page on my twitter feed and on the station you can catch me any place where podcasts are commonly available you know welcome to the banana republic of the united states of america i mean the world has now gotten so corrupt and our government has gotten so corrupt and our department of justice and our fbi are so corrupt that this country does not in any way resemble the free republic that it was well i'm only 66 years old but nothing like it was when i was a kid you know and i just I will digress, as I tend to do, but right from the get-go. Before I came into the studio here today, I addressed the uh, Pachyderm Club in one of our local communities, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm talking about how we all have to take a personal responsibility for our freedom and stand up against tyranny and refuse to cooperate when the government imposes illegal and unconstitutional requirements and refuse to cooperate when the federal government does things which are obviously contrary to the best interest of the United States in the best interest of our free republic. And I'm looking around the room, and I say what I tend to do with these Republican things. I say, look, I'm 66 years old, and I'm you know, pretty much the youngest person in this room. The, uh, the left doesn't have to defeat us. They just have to wait 10 years, and we're all gone. And everybody looked around the room and said, or less. You know? And that's a real problem because, amongst other things, a lot of the people out there in this country don't remember when this was a free country. I've said it before many times, my 34-year-old daughter doesn't remember when this was a free country, doesn't remember anything before the, quote, Patriot Act. And, you know, just like everything else the left does, if you call it the Patriot Act, you know it has nothing to do with patriotism or patriots. It has to do with totalitarianism and central control. But she doesn't remember any time when the government didn't get a chance to read all your emails, all your direct messages, listen to all your telephone conversations, screen your 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 snail mail and break into your house and place microphones if they want to. Uh, doesn't remember a time when there was a functioning Fourth Amendment against illegal search and seizure. Doesn't remember a time when the federal judicial branch and the Department of Justice and the FBI actually enforced crime, enforced the the law as opposed to enforcing a single-party political agenda. But we have, we have uh, um, a world right now which is, uh, which is very, very strange. So I'm going to read you a little bit from a criminal indictment. The uh, defendant is accused of having um, subverted foreign agent registration in the United States to, to seek to promote Chinese policies by acting through a former high-ranking U.S. government official. Okay. That sound like anybody we know? That sound like any crack addict son of some president we might know? Well, no. It turns out that that indictment is against some poor schlub by the name of Gal Luft, L-U-F-T, G-A-L-L-U-F-T. Mr. Luft is a whistleblower. Mr. Luft was accused of having uh, trying to conspire with the Chinese government and Chinese businessmen to influence American policy. Well, why is he being indicted for this? Because he claims 
that uh, uh, he has evidence that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden took bribes from the Chinese to influence American policy. So what does the left always do? What do the commies always do? What does the deep state always do? They accuse its enemies of doing exactly what they, in fact, do. Hunter Biden conspires to sell privilege, to sell access, to sell influence on American policy to foreign governments. Does he get investigated? No. Do the people that want to display the fact that he did so, do they get persecuted and prosecuted? Well, ask Mr. Luff, who's in hiding for his life. Well, you know, I'm going to play a little clip here from my favorite movie. what I mean? If Laszlo's presence in the cafe can inspire this unfortunate demonstration, what more will his presence in Casablanca bring on? I advise that this place be shut up at once. But everybody's having such a good time. Yes, much too good a time. The place is to be closed. But I've no excuse to close it. Find one. Everybody is to leave here immediately. This cafe is closed until further notice. Clear the room at once. They close me up on what ground? I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Everybody out at once. And so, as uh, as the uh, chief inspector of Casablanca says, you know, I'm shocked. I'm truly shocked to find that there is uh, conspiracies afoot here. Um, you know, at the same time that they're taking their bribes left and right. So here, I'm going to get into this in little detail. Um, there is a new report of an email regarding Hunter Biden, which is pretty stinking shocking, in my humble opinion. Considering you got it, you know you've heard, and the media has widely reported all the uh, the emails and the text messages and the direct messages between uh, 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 Joe Biden, not Joe Biden, Hunter Biden and his Burisma buddies, uh, and talking about the big guy and talking about millions of dollars being paid. Um, but here's, here's a, the, the actual, uh, you know, kind of the sinker of all this. Here's an email that gets uh, discovered recently. It's an email from November 2nd, 2015, 4.36 p.m., from a guy named Vadmir, or Vadim, V-A-D-Y-M. I'll spell the last name because I can't pronounce it. Parsharsky. P-O-Z-H-A-R-S-K-I. Names are irrelevant, but it is to, guess who? Devin Archer and Hunter Biden. And it starts off with, dear colleagues, okay? Hope you're well. Here are for, here, are, uh, thank you for the docs provided. I've analyzed them most carefully and come up with the following observations. The first thing is that the suggested scope of work is largely lacking concrete, tangible results that we set out to achieve in the first place, Most, mostly focusing on the process. Also, it doesn't offer any names of top U.S. officials here in Ukraine, for instance, U.S. ambassador, or Ukrainian officials, parens, the president of Ukraine, comma, chief of staff, comma, prosecutor general, close friends, as key targets for improving Nikolai's case and his situation in Ukraine. Remember that name, Nikolai. If, however, quoting again from this email, if, however, this is done deliberately 
to be on the safe and cautious side, I can understand the rationale. In other words, you didn't put any names in the proposal because you didn't want to have to go to jail for it. You didn't want to have to actually see those names published someday. And if the parties, in fact, understand the true purpose of the BS engagement um, and all of our joint efforts, it's okay, and we should proceed immediately. Uh, uh, my only concern is to be on the same page of our final goal. With this in mind, I'd like us to formulate a list of deliverables, including but not limited to a concrete course of action, meetings, communications resulting in high-ranking U.S. officials in Ukraine, parens, U.S. ambassador, close parens, and U.S. publicity, or in private communication content expressing their, quote, positive opinion, unquote, and support of Nikolay slash Burisma to the highest level of decision makers here in Ukraine, president of Ukraine, president, chief of staff, prosecutor general, etc. Now, here's a real kicker. This is the last paragraph. If this isn't the nail in the coffin of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and Jim Biden and Devin Archer and all these sons of guns that ought to be in prison right now, listen to what this email concludes with. The scope of work, scope of work, ladies and gentlemen, that's what, that's what uh, Hunter Biden is being hired by Marisma to provide. I've always asked, you know, when you think about Hunter Biden and, and Jim Biden and the Biden family getting tens of millions of dollars, you got to ask yourself, what is the product they produce? What is the service they provide to the world? Why, is, why are they getting millions of dollars? What is it they have to sell? Well, this final paragraph tells you exactly what they have to sell and what, in fact, they did sell. The scope of work should also include organization of a visit of a number of highly recognized and influential current and slash or former U.S. policymakers Ukraine in November. This is November of 2014, 2015. Um, uh, a visit of a number of widely recognized and influential current and or former U.S. policymakers Ukraine in November aiming to conduct meetings with and bring positive signal slash message and support on Nikolay's issue to the Ukrainian top officials above with the ultimate purpose to close down for any case slash pursuits against Nikolay in Ukraine. What's Joe Biden, what's Hunter Biden, what's the button, button, Biden crime family being hired to do to exert its influence to support Nikolay's issue to the Ukrainian top officials above, meaning the president, president chief of staff, and the prosecutor general, with the ultimate purpose to close down for any cases slash pursuits against Nikolay in Ukraine. So who the hell's Nikolay? Well, Nikolay... Is a guy whose real name is Mikola Shostevsky. He's a uh, Ukrainian oligarch. He was for a while the 12th Minister of Ecology and National Resources for the Ukraine. He was also, under the previous administration, but before the uh, corrupt Zelensky, he was National Security and Defense Council um, uh, Deputy Secretary. He's also a massive criminal, right? He... Uh, um, in uh, uh, 2012, the uh, Ukrainian prosecutor general, wait a second, where's that name coming from? Again, here we go, back to the email from uh, Vladimir uh, Prosharsky 
in November of 15. Who does he want uh, Hunter Biden to influence? Oh, the prosecutor general. 2012, Viktor uh, Prashanka, the Ukrainian prosecutor general, began investigating Burisma Holdings owner Shostevsky over allegations of money laundering, tax evasion, and corruption during 2010 through 2012. Then, in April 2014, Burisma Holdings Board of Directors names Hunter Biden, son of then Vice President Joe Biden, to Burisma's Board of Directors of uh, to Burisma's Board of Director as a director of Burisma, where he is said to have earned over eighty thousand dollars monthly. Joe Biden had been made the point man on Ukraine after February twenty fourteen, when pro Russian President Viktor Yanukovych Yang, Yan Yukovich, was ousted and fled. This was a coup that the United States government created to uh, uh, throw out the old government of Ukraine. Um, the uh, U.S. President Barack Obama's administration was prepared to the work, work with a new government. Well, guess what? Do you remember this little thing where Joe Biden brags when he's talking to the Council on Foreign Relations um, that, you know, he was over there as a point man in Ukraine and the United States had pledged a billion dollars in loan guarantees to Ukraine, and he stands up and he says that, you know, I'm going to be leaving in six and a half hours if the prosecutor general, where's that name come from again? Prosecutor general. Hmm, that's the person that uh, Hunter Biden was being paid to influence to not pursue cases against uh, Nicolay. Uh, uh, Well, um, Joe Biden says, if you don't fire that general prosecutor, by the time I leave today, you're not getting your $1 billion. Now, you remember that the uh, that Adam Schiff and the, the lying sons of guns in Congress impeached President Trump for a phone call regarding um, Ukraine and whether or not, uh, you know, the, a totally benign phone call. Here you've got the vice president of the United States bragging about extorting the country of Ukraine, into firing a prosecutor who is looking into Burisma, who is looking into the company that was hired, that hired his son at $80,000 a month to limit investigation of Burisma and of Nikolay. Of, and guess what? Um, he, flees, he flees the country. Nikolay flees Ukraine um, under allegations that he had stolen millions and millions of dollars. At one point here, there's a report of him uh, stealing billions of dollars. And then guess what? Zolchevsky returned to the Ukraine in February 2018 after investigations into his Burisma holding had been completed in December 2017 with no charges filed against him. Okay, So here you have Hunter Biden getting hired by Burisma at $80,000 a month specifically for the purposes of using his influence with high-ranking, um, widely recognized and influential current and or former U.S. policymakers to get the heat off of his boss, Nikolay, a.k.a. Mykola Shlakevsky. I can't pronounce it. What the heck? Um, but the guy who runs Burisma, all right? Joe Biden threatens Ukraine, that if they don't fire the prosecutor, they don't get their billion dollars. Prosecutor gets fired. New prosecutor gets on board. Charges get dropped against Nikolay. 
and everybody's happy in the world. Your billion dollars in mine gets paid to Ukraine. And now, as a result of all this, we're best buds with Vladimir Zelensky, and we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars to help him fight a war that should never have existed at the risk of getting us into World War III. Thank you, Hunter Biden. Thank you, Joe Biden. And they say crime doesn't pay. When we come back, we'll talk about more absurdity in the government today and how the, the world is working to destroy everything we hear old, near, and dear. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. Money for nothing. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on Fire. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to News Talk STL. Mark McCloskey on Fire, 101.994.1. You know, it's it's sometimes it's frustrating living in the United States these days when you know that that the thing that made this the greatest country on earth is being eroded moment by moment, and you you seem to have a a wave coming in from every direction. You've got the the United States Congress that never seems to do anything but march progressively to the left. You got Mitch McConnell as uh, the the uh, most powerful guy in the United States Senate who doesn't do anything to march us back to the right, but constantly goes along with every leftist proposal and fails to represent the interests of the average American. You know, there's a there's a hundred senators out there. And when you watch what's allegedly conservative television, you get to see two of them most of the time. You get to see Lindsey Graham, who laughed and jiggled and giggled about the death of Russian soldiers, and you get to see Mitch McConnell, who wouldn't stand up for for you if you were if you were on fire. He wouldn't he wouldn't pour a bucket of water on you. Um, but you get it gets worse because, as we all know now, the FBI, the DOJ. Is, uh, is have become nothing more than the enforcement arm of the leftist government. So what are you left with? You're left with the uh, judiciary. You're left with the with the federal courts, and you're left with the with the Supreme Court. And you got to hope that the last leg of defense between us and absolute tyranny lies in the courts. Right. But there's one other thing that stands between us and ultimate tyranny, and that's the uh, the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. You know. Um, uh, the security of a free, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Shall not be infringed. Well, um, of course, it's being infringed all over the place, but no, nowhere more so than in Michigan these days. Michigan has got a governor named Christy Whitmer who is doing everything in her power to destroy the Second Amendment in Michigan. She's got super majorities in both houses in uh, in Michigan, and they're doing everything they can to restrict Second Amendment rights. Well, this coming week, on uh, July the 19th, uh, we're having a rally up in a little town outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm going to be there speaking. Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be there speaking. Sheriff Mack's going to be there speaking. It's a, it's a defend our two-way Michigan's fight for self-preservation rally 
put on by the Sons of Liberty Pack, and it's going to be in a little town called Ionia, Michigan. Uh, the actual address is 1652 Kingston Road, Ionia, Michigan. This is going to be a, a full-day event, July 19th, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Freedom Farms. It was, it was going to be at the uh, Capitol, uh, but when they found out Kyle Rittenhouse was going to be there, uh, the, uh, uh, the government said, ain't no way we're going to let somebody like Kyle Rittenhouse uh, have a rally at the Capitol. So it's been relocated. That was before I came on board with it. We're also hoping to have Ted Nugent there. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But once again, you know, my, my hats I gave away during the campaign said one plus two equals free. That's First Amendment plus Second Amendment equals freedom. And ladies and gentlemen, as I've always said, without the Second Amendment, all of our other rights are merely hypothetical. Because without the, uh, the, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, if the central government has a monopoly on force, then the people have no power whatsoever. That's uh, this, this government by the consent of the governed, which we're guaranteed by the Declaration of Independence, only exists when the people can withdraw that consent, and people can only withdraw that consent when they're capable of defending themselves against the government which wishes to impose tyranny. So as I, as I repeat, in a country where the people are afraid of the government, there's tyranny. In a country where the government's afraid of the people, there's freedom. And that's going to be my message up in Michigan next week. And uh, I hope as many of you who are in the area can come and, and participate. I think it's going to be a great time. I think it's going to be a great group of patriots. And I think we're going to have uh, um, a good event. And maybe we'll shake some people up in Michigan and, uh, and get some action. Well, you know, as I said a little bit ago, the, uh, the last protector of our freedom when we have United States Congress and the United States, well, House of Representatives and Senate, which will not take any definitive action to help us, that they call up the head of the FBI, they call Christopher Ray up to testify, they call the assistant director of the FBI up to testify, they call Merritt Garland, they call Alejandro Mayorkas. And what do those people do? They thumb their nose at Congress. They refuse to answer questions or they flat out lie. Now, ask uh, General Mike Flynn what happens when you, when you lie to the FBI, right? You get arrested, you go to prison, uh, it ruins your life. They destroy you economically. They destroy you physically. They threaten to put your kid in jail for the rest of your life, the rest of his life, unless you, you cooperate with him. That's what happens if you're a Republican and you're accused of lying to the FBI. Well, what does the FBI do? The FBI lies to Congress. The uh, Attorney General lies to Congress. The Director of Homeland Security lies to Congress. And then what happens? Nothing happens. Do people go to jail? Nah. What are you going to do? When Merritt Garland lies to Congress, are you going to say, Mr. Attorney General, would you arrest yourself? When Christopher Ray lies to Congress, what are you going to do? Say, uh, Mr. Director, would you refer yourself for prosecution? You know, the only thing you can do is hope that at some point the courts in this country will hold their feet to the fire and maintain some kind of legitimate barrier between us and tyranny. Well, from time to time, the courts get an opportunity to hear something that might be relevant on that. We've had a couple of good decisions from the Supreme Court recently, but you, you, you can't count on it. For example, there's this little thing called the Eighth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, and it's very brief. The one thing you can definitely say about the framers of our Constitution is that they took the time to use precise and unambiguous language 
to protect our rights instead of having these rambling 1,000-page-long, 2,000-page-long, 10,000-page-long bills that are currently being passed by Congress where, for example, when Nancy Pelosi says we have to pass the bill so we can know what's in it, uh, when the drafters of our Constitution laid down the framework of our freedoms, they did so in brief and concise language. The Eighth Amendment, the United States Constitution, in our Bill of Rights, in its totality says this, Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. That's it. No excessive bail, no excessive fines, no cruel and unusual punishment. And throughout the history of the United States, that Eighth Amendment has been applied to mostly prison cases, mostly cases about is the death penalty cruel and unusual punishment? Are people who are held under bad circumstances in prison, is their living environment, does it constitute cruel and unusual punishment? What level of health care must be provided to prisoners to avoid cruel and unusual punishment? What level of nutrition? What... what uh, um, special dietary requirements, those kinds of things. People in prison should be treated without cruel and unusual punishment. Of course, you know, um, with regard to the uh, uh, people from uh, the Iraq war that we kept in dog cages in Guantanamo for decades, of course, we didn't apply that to them because they were, quote, enemy combatants, and therefore they're not entitled to the protections of the Constitution. And I'll go sideways in this and say, of course, everybody who enters the country illegally now by the tens of millions, um, they get afforded constitutional protections against cruel and unusual punishment. Um, but uh, uh, as far as American citizens go, the Eighth Amendment has been mostly applied to prison cases and what's acceptable in the way of how we imprison people that have committed serious crimes in this country. Well, that's been turned on its head. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, in uh, ruling on a case uh, regarding public camping in Boise, Idaho. There's a statute in Boise, Idaho, um, put on the books in 1922, that prohibits camping on public property. Spending the night on public property. Been in the force for 101 years. Well, some of the people in Boise who uh, had been uh, fined, that's what it was, a fine for sleeping on public property, filed a lawsuit against the state under the United States Constitution for their right, if they're homeless, to sleep on public property and to live on public property if they want to. Well, that case went to the Ninth uh, District Court of Appeals. The Ninth Circuit, rather, opined that that city's statute violates the Eighth Amendment if they punish a person for the mere act of sleeping outside or for sleeping in their vehicles at night when there's no other place in the city for them to go. The court upheld, this is the Ninth Circuit, upheld the U.S. District Court prior ruling that persons experiencing homeliness, homelessness were entitled to take necessary minimum measures to keep themselves warm and dry while sleeping outside. Um, they said that uh, it was a violation of the Eighth Amendment's um, uh, that as long as there's no option of sleeping indoors, the government cannot criminalize indigent homeless people for sleeping outdoors on public property on the false pre premise that they had a choice in it. Um, that, uh, uh, that this was a violation of the Eighth Amendment.
The Ninth Circuit opined that, that citizens, the cities violate the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, if they punish a person for the mere act of sleeping outside or for sleeping in their vehicles at night where there is no other place in the city for them to go. Well, this was appealed to the United States Supreme Court. United States Supreme Court refused to hear the case, meaning this is now the law in the United States of America that uh, indigents have a constitutional right to sleep on public property, to camp on public property, to defecate on public property probably, to take drugs on public property, to buy, sell, and use drugs on public property because it is cruel and unusual punishment to pass a law or to enforce a law that says you cannot do so. And you go to a place like Los Angeles, or you go to a place like San Francisco, or you go to a place like Seattle, or you even go to a place like my hometown, St. Louis, and you see the bums and the hobos sleeping in tents provided to them by the government at your tax dollars and mine, along with the crack pipes provided to them by the government at your your money and mine, along with the, the, the free needles and the uh, um, the free food, and uh, in one place, a swimming pool, right? And that is now all their constitutional rights. And so when we start talking about the absolute insanity that's being forced upon us now, indigent, homeless drug addicts who apparently don't have a choice about being drug addicts um, because part of what the Ninth Circuit said was uh, the pretense for the statute was that it was a voluntary condition that they chose to sleep out in public, right? Um, that uh, they, the Ninth Circuit says, no, it's not. It's not a voluntary condition. It is a condition forced upon them by circumstances. They are mere victims. They have no role in their own decision-making, and therefore, if you arrest them for sleeping outdoors, it's cruel and unusual punishment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would ask you to compare that to the treatment of the January 6th protesters people who for no crime other than maybe none at all, maybe charges of trespassing, maybe charges of being on government property, maybe on charges of being on capital grounds without permission, have been rotting under horrible conditions in Washington, D.C. jails for two and a half years, all right? And no one has considered that to be cruel and unusual punishment. They're being treated the same way that we treated uh, uh, um, um, terrorists from Iraq. We're treating them like they're enemy combatants. We're treating them like prisoners of war. We're treating them, in fact, as political prisoners where they have no rights. They're they're al-Qaeda terrorists for doing no more than trespass. All right, And you think about what the world calls these days what the mainstream media calls these days, what even the, the uh, brainless pundits on Fox TV call these days a two-tiered justice system. Just like Hunter Biden and Joe Biden can go without prosecution for any kind of crime they choose, just the way that uh, uh, BLM rioters can burn cities and shoot policemen with impunity. Right? Um, the uh, homeless bums can live on public property with impunity, But if you trespass in the Capitol, you can be held in prison for years, some without charges, some getting sentences for years and years in federal prison for doing no more than trespass 
as opposed to living on the public streets, defecating, urinating, and injecting on your dollar and mine, and they now have a constitutional right to do so. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on Fire. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire, News Talk STL 101.9, 94.1. Once again, you can find me on uh, my on my Facebook page, on Twitter feed, on Rumble, on uh, any place you get your podcasts. Uh, 99 times out of 100, I'm saying something that makes absolutely no sense at all, so you might have some fun listening to it. Uh, the other 1%, I'm, I'm, I'm just clearing my throat. Um, so, you know, it's been kind of another one of those interesting weeks in Washington. One of those weeks where you recognize that there's absolutely no justice in this world, there's absolutely no honesty in D.C., and there's not going to be any, any recourse for it. And so what I'm talking about now is cocaine in the White House, for example. You know, you kind of get the impression that the White House might be kind of a secure place. You kind of get the impression that when they have this pretense that the President of the United States is the most powerful person in the world, the leader of the free world, instead of just an old stumble bum, uh, that uh, they might have some, some mechanisms in place to make sure that bad stuff doesn't happen there, bad things don't take place, Bad stuff doesn't get inside like bombs or drugs or poisons or things like that. And so, you know, you, you get to a point where you kind of, you know, sit back on your laurels and think we've got this thing called the Secret Service, which is a, a branch of the Department of the Treasury, and they're in charge of presidential security as well as things like counterfeiting and all those kinds of things. And you kind of rely on them to do their job. And so what do you have then? We have um, some cocaine found in the White House. And the first story is, well, it's found in a public area. And then that turns out to not to be true. And then the story changes, and now it's found in the library. Well, and that story turns out to not be true. And then it's found by the vice president's entry in the west wing of the White House near the Situation Room. Ah, but don't worry about it. It's in kind of a public place, uh, so don't really worry about it. And then we get uh, uh, Karen Jean-Pierre saying, well, you can't be the presidents and you can't be the vice presidents because they weren't there all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, except that you, they have these little things called log books um, where you actually sign in and out, and they also have these things called, you know, interviews and television shows and, and uh, interviewers where, you know, when you make statements, they tend to get recorded and there's a time signature on them, and you got these little funny little things like ways of checking up where the president actually is. And so you've got Jean-Pierre, just lying to the people, right? Just absolute flat-out lying. I mean, I think the evidence is that the president was in the White House until 6.45 that Friday afternoon, right? But facts don't matter. Lies don't matter. You or I lie, we go to jail. She lies. Eh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just part of the business. President lies. It's part of his business. Joe Biden, you know, uh, couldn't tell the truth if he could remember it. And then you got Hunter Biden, uh, who, uh, 
you know, because he's a drug addict, because he's a, a criminal, because he's a, a gun criminal, because uh, he uh, uh, just, you know, posts pictures of himself with hookers and crack pipes and all that kind of stuff, uh, that makes him um, somehow wonderful. In the eyes of the press, you, you, you'll see him being interviewed by the left, and they're, they're kind of like playing along and smirking and laughing and saying, oh, isn't that, you know, I wish I could be like you, Hunter Biden. I was watching one interview where he's talking about all these different crimes he's committing, and the interviewer from the left is saying, well, wouldn't you be in jail if your name wasn't Biden? And he laughs and he says, well, you know, I'd either be in an institution or in jail, yeah. And so laugh it up, okay, because I'm the son of the president, I get to commit crimes. I get to commit um, drug offenses. I get to uh, engage in human trafficking. I am such a bizarre, pathetic, uh, perverted, and weird human being that I get thrown out of sex clubs, right? What do you have to do as a human being to get thrown out of a sex club in Los Angeles? I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what you would do in a sex club in Los Angeles, which would make you want to pay the money to be there in the first place. But to be such a perverted, obscene, weird, crazy, who knows what individual to actually be thrown out of a sex club in Los Angeles just boggles my ever stinking mind, okay? But the people in this country have been so stinking brainwashed. The majority of the you know, I hate to say it, the soccer moms, the housewives. And by the way, there's an inverse relationship between your level of education and how smart you are in this country. Because I find the people that buy this kind of propaganda, this kind of bullshit, the easiest, are the overeducated, the people with PhDs and MDs and JDs, people like in my profession, being a lawyer, are the people that are most likely to go along with the official crap. But I mean, Biden... Hunter Biden is a darling because he admits that he's a criminal and that he's a pervert and that he's a drug addict and that uh, he was totally out of control. And then while he's doing all these things, he's getting paid millions and millions of dollars to sell his influence around the world. And everybody says, well, all right, well, he's got a right to sell his influence because he's a brilliant guy. As Joe Biden says, he's the smartest guy I've ever met. And I can, I can do, I can get a billion dollars in funds from the Chinese communists. I can get millions of dollars from Ukrainian oligarchs. I can get $3 million from the wife of the ex-mayor of Moscow. I can get diamonds because everybody is so interested in purchasing my brilliance, which I have for sale because I'm this Yale-educated genius lawyer when I'm not laying passed out in a bathtub with a crack pipe in my mouth. I mean, these things would seemingly be inconsistent. But the whole purpose of everything that the mainstream media does, and I, I will include all the media because I don't see anybody really doing anything different, and the whole purpose of everything the federal government does um, from virtually every congressman, the president, the uh, national uh, judicial arms, the coercive power of government, um, what the goal is is to get you to accept absolute nonsense as fact or be so scared to stand up and say this is nonsense, it's just the emperor's new clothes, right? That everybody has to go along with it and say, oh, isn't it wonderful? And they want you to accept things which you know are absolutely not just implausible, but impossible. So we'll go back to the leaking of the Supreme Court's uh, decision in the Dobbs case, right? 
there are nine Supreme Court justices. There are 36 Supreme Court clerks. Somebody with access to that opinion leaks it to the press for the sole purpose of trying to influence the court into changing that opinion before it becomes public. There are not too many people that could have done it. There is no question that it could be found out immediately. There's no question in my mind that the leaker was known instantly. But here's a, here's a little technique you might consider using, Mr. Supreme Court Justice. You might take them all into one room, and you might say, look, if you don't immediately identify which one of you leaked this, or if you don't immediately identify who you know leaked it if it wasn't one of you 36 clerks, you're all fired. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that you lose your law licenses, you'll be ostracized from the practice of law, and your careers are destroyed because this is an unprecedented breach of protocol, an unprecedented breach of the the security of one of the three branches of government. It is a treason-level offense, and you will all suffer and suffer horribly unless somebody fesses up. What do you bet? What do you bet that if the Supreme Court did that, what if you bet that the, uh, that the Chief Justice uh, says that and haul them all into a room and their lives, their, their legal lives, their careers are at stake, somebody might have actually fingered somebody else. Well, the government does that in trying to get Donald Trump. The, uh, the uh, uh, FBI was offering a million dollars to Christopher Steele if he could come up with any witness against Donald Trump. They've been pressuring Donald Trump's associates and his valet and everybody else, squeezing them and offering to bribe them and everything else to get some dirt on Donald Trump when they can't find anything. Maybe there isn't any dirt in Donald Trump. But you have an actual leaker of a Supreme Court opinion in a very tiny spot with almost no possible players, and, you're, you're, and they think we're so god stupid. They think we're so easily confused. They think that we're such pathetic sheep that they can sell us this story that they can't find out who that leaker is, and they expect us to believe it. And you know what? It's true. They know it's true because the few of us that are actually standing up and saying, this is absolutely the most monumental crap we've ever heard, and it cannot possibly be true, the number of us is so small they can ignore us. The number of us is so small they say, we can have, you know, Joe Scarborough or Rachel Maddow say that this is all just a right-wing conspiracy. They can say that about anything. It can be pitch black outside, and they can say it's daylight, and those people that claim it's nighttime outside are just super MAGA, white supremacist, radical, uh, right-wing extremists, and you don't have to pay any attention to them. And the vast majority of people say, oh, that's right. That makes sense. Yeah, those evil Republican guys, they're just making this up. There's no way the Supreme Court could find out who leaked this document. So we'll just, we'll just believe it. And if that's not bad enough, then we go to cocaine in the White House, right? And now we find out there's been two different occasions when there is marijuana found in the White House. You know, all over this country, there are thousands and thousands of people doing time in prison for cocaine offenses and marijuana offenses. And the vice president of the United States, when she was a prosecuting attorney, put people in jail for marijuana, even though she jokes about it now. But you got to appreciate how much if you're sitting there and you're cooling your ass in some federal prison someplace on a cocaine charge, you got to appreciate how angry that person is going to be when cocaine found in the White House is just ignored, is just swept under the carpet. And the Secret Service... Once again, just like the Supreme Court, 
thinks we're all so stupid, thinks we're all such a bunch of ignorant slubs that we're going to really believe that they can't tell where that drug came from. Well, it was in a cubbyhole, a cubbyhole number 50. Cubbyhole number 50 has a key. The key opens cubbyhole number 50. The key locks cubbyhole number 50. That key would have been assigned to a human being, a human being that comes into the White House and signs a sheet, stands in an x-ray machine, goes through a magnetometer, gets drug sniffed, okay, and then gets a key assigned to them for a, for a cubby where they put their, their personal effects, their telephone, their wallet, probably their belt, although I don't know about belt, and their cocaine and their marijuana, and, uh, and then they get to take that key with them, and then when they go, they get to use that key to open their little cubby and get their personal possessions back out and leave. Well, you know, in my profession from time to time, we have to go into prisons to interview witnesses or interview clients, and when you go into a prison, and I presume that the White House is at least as well secured as the average minimum security federal prison or minimum security state prison, but if I'm going to go into a prison to interview a client of mine or talk to a witness, I have to cough up my belt, my, uh, my wallet, my keys. I get, uh, I get go through a metal detector at the maximum security prisons. I get drug sniffed. They've got this machine you step in where they blow air past you and sniff it for drugs. Um, you get your, your hand stamped with, with glow-in-the-dark ink. You get your picture taken, and if you don't have that glow-in-the-dark stamp on your hand and you don't match your picture, you don't get back out of prison. Let's assume that the place it's supposed to be, as everybody says, the most secure place in the world, would have security at least equivalent to a minimum security prison, where anybody that goes in has to go through that process, and anybody that comes out had better pass that process on the way out, or they ain't getting out. Well, I heard Kevin McCarthy on television saying that even though, as uh, the uh, Speaker of the House, with his own Secret Service detachment, if he tries to get into that same location where the cocaine is found, he has to go through Secret Service screening. Well, if the uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives has to get screened by security to get to the location where that, where that uh, cocaine was found, pretty stinking good bet that whoever brought that cocaine in had to get processed too. Unless, of course, their last name might be Biden, or unless, of course, they're a supplier to somebody whose last name is Biden who gets wink-winked in because everybody knows that that's what's happening. Why are there drugs in maximum security prisons? Because guards are on the take. Why is there cocaine in the White House and we're told that we can't know who it is? Because those people are on the take. They may not be on the take for money, but they're part of the conspiracy of silence to protect the Bidens and everything around the Bidens. It's no different than the fact that you have inarguable evidence of Biden crime family taking bribes to sell their influence around the world and having no prosecution, having the, the uh, Department of Justice not investigating them or saying we've got an ongoing investigation, which we will never conclude, so we don't have to give you any of the facts. Ladies and gentlemen, this country is so corrupt at the top end. Our government is so corrupt. The Biden crime family is so blatantly corrupt. And Joe Biden has now gotten to the point where he feels that he is so indestructible, that his power is so absolute that he can smirk about it, he can laugh about it, he can, he can you know, demean reporters that ask him questions about it because he knows that he is totally and absolutely above the law. 
and every member of his family is too. And no matter what kind of crimes they commit, no matter what kind of influence they sell, no matter how much they degrade the United States and the security of this country, no matter how much they humiliate us on the world stage, that they'll get to walk. And the history books will write that this was the most glorious presidency in the history of the country because those history books are going to be written by the left unless we do something right stinking now to write to straighten out this mess to have some actual justice to put some people in jail that are actual criminals and elect donald j trump president again to clean house and bring this process home see you next week ladies and gentlemen Mama, if that's moving up then i'm moving out get more mark mccloskey at newstalkstl.com This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.